Welcome to Young and Finch, the podcast created by Korean millennials. All right, guys, welcome to this week's podcast. Uh, this is going to be our finale for our season two. Uh, we have a guest. Um, before that, uh, we'll introduce ourselves. My name is Andrew. I'm Brian. <laughs> I'm Josh. And our guest here, uh, we'll just let him kind of do a full introduction. So, Jordan, welcome. What's up, guys? Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. I, f- I feel very welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is our first time having a guest as well, so it'll be a new experience for us. So, Jordan, can you just, I guess, tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Uh, yeah, so uh, my name is Jordan Woods. Uh, I live in Toronto, Ontario. I'm originally from a really small town in New Brunswick called Quispemsis. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to be here today. Awesome. Cool, cool. So Jordan here is a big advocate of Korean culture, if I'm not mistaken right can you vouch for me i i can vouch for this i frequently okay. meet in front of government buildings just so i can advocate for the language <laughs> what the <laughs> yeah but um he's got the poster up in front of the government building i'm dude with hunger sign sorry what what down. The? i'm down wow 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 <laughs> wait i think you should let everybody know that how you guys know jordan this is my first time meeting jordan Except on TV, and we'll, but we'll get we'll get to Dude, that. Dude, yeah, we'll get, we'll get to, to that. that we'll get to that. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. But you guys but, knew Jordan since, yeah. University. We, I knew him since university, so first year. Yeah, me. me too. Yeah. Bro, I met you in high school, Josh. Well, oh, you, yeah, you no, were in high school. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, so so Josh and I met through a mutual friend when he was in high school. I was in university, uh, and we went to what was probably the worst movie I've ever seen in theaters. I won't name it pretty bad. in case we get in trouble. Um, but yeah, and then we just became friends. And then later on, uh, Josh came to visit me in university because I went to York and he brought Andrew with him. And that's how I met Andrew. Nice. Yeah. Jordan is not Korean, for anyone wondering. Accurate But statement. he knows how to speak Korean really, really, really well. Uh, I would take out maybe two of those reallys. Borderline three. <laughs> True. Well, you're the best person that's not korean that knows how to speak korean that i know i'm also the only one (laughs) but thank you no no i know i know a lot of other non-koreans oh really (laughs) (laughs) oh but anyways yeah no thanks for taking the time no it was cool i've never been on a podcast before but i watch a lot of them so i thought it would be cool i guess before we dive into it uh like andrew said you know jordan's uh probably the most canadian guy i know at the same time he's probably one of the most korean guys i know um and you've had a pretty interesting uh, experience and path i guess with uh, learning about korean culture and and i guess learning and i guess becoming more not only involved but um experienced with uh, korean people korean culture and your time in korea can you give the audience like a, a bit of background as to like how you got to that point or how you got to the point today and how you kind of got into learning Korean and, and, and what piqued you. 
Yeah. Um, so as I mentioned before, I grew up, grew up in a really, really small town in New Brunswick and, uh, it was only 18,000 people and I knew the same people the, in my entire life. Uh, and everyone there was, I don't exaggerate. Everyone there was white and it's not even just that everyone's white. Everyone is the same kind of white. So just English, French, Irish, that's it. Uh, so when it came to, um, you know, like culture and the way people are and the traditions people have, everyone was pretty much exactly the same growing up. Um, there was no difference. Like I could easily go to a friend's house and it would be pretty much exactly the same as my house, my family. Uh, and so it was just kind of like stale, uh, I guess. And I'm kind of a quirky dude and, um, it, it, you know, there were a lot of times where it just something didn't click for me. And then when I was in starting in grade eight in middle school, Koreans started immigrating to my town, which in itself is like amazing because it's like the most small out of middle of nowhere place that you could possibly think of. And for anyone who's listening, who's not in Canada, New Brunswick's like super small and there's like nobody there. So uh, I just thought it was really kind of fascinating that we were getting immigrants from other countries. Like, how do you even know this town exists? <laughs> um, and then so I was just kind of intrigued and then I started you know meeting Korean friends and making Korean friends and then they slowly introduced me to you know the food and the music and the culture and the language and I don't know why but it just kind of like clicked it just it really resonated with like what my values were and how I thought and um, what I found interesting and what I was interested in and so I just spent more time with my Korean friends and learned more and I, I started really liking Korean food um, and started listening to the music more and then I got to a point towards the end of high school where like I'm like I, I want to learn the language I don't want to just you know listen to music and not know what's going on or hang out with Korean friends and not what, know what's going on um, because you know keep in mind back then the Koreans that I knew were not like you guys like they were super super fob and um, didn't speak English that well at that time and so most of the time it was we were only speaking Korean when we were together um, so when university came around uh, I knew I wanted to move to a big city um, and I knew I wanted to go to business school uh, but what became clear to me was that I also wanted to go to a place where I could learn Korean in a study environment, in a classroom environment. And so that's why I moved to Toronto. I started taking Korean classes in university. That helped a lot. Uh, I met a lot of second-gen Korean friends here, mm -hmm. um, which was, again, super interesting to me because before I moved to Toronto, I didn't even know what second-gen was. Like, at that <laughs> point, I had never even met an Asian person who didn't speak without an accent. So, like, that was, like, fascinating to me. Yeah. Uh, and I think that actually helped a lot in my learning process because with second-gens, it's more uh, natural to flow back and forth between English and Korean. Conglish. Yeah, exactly. So you, I think it's an easier way to kind of bridge the gap and learn quicker. And then, um, yeah, so I took Korean for a couple of years. And then in third year of uni, I went on exchange to Yonsei in Korea, which was uh, probably the best five months of my life. Um, it was lit. It was, and I'm sure we can get more into that experience later on. Uh, but that obviously helped a lot in my learning process as well. And then when I got back, I think 
you know, and for the rest of my life up till now, I think I'm at a place where I'm pretty comfortable speaking. And I think I have a pretty, you know, good grasp of how to carry myself in a Korean setting. And yeah, that's kind of how it all happened. Nice. Uh, how many Koreans were in your neighborhood when you were growing up? Uh, in my neighborhood, maybe like five. In my school, so for context, um, my high school had about 1,200 students. I would say at the time there were probably about 50 Koreans. Wow, that's actually a lot. That's actually a lot. Yeah, there, there was, I think what happened is once like a few people started immigrating there, they told their friends and then a community started slowly <laughs> building. And now there's like, you know, a huge community of Koreans there. But it's interesting because you go there and there's literally two ethnic groups, the white people and the Koreans. There's no other immigrants there, um, which is really, really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I guess for context, for anyone who might not be from Canada or aren't familiar with like the East Coast, uh, it's called the Maritimes. But yeah, I think it's fair to say the Maritimes are still, f it's like they're fairly like traditional and like it's not as cosmopolitan not as urban there's not as much exactly. like international experience yeah like maybe at most at like halifax or like some of the bigger yeah. cities right but other than that you probably won't find too much diversity over on the east coast mm -hmm. yeah uh, i have another question yeah when you were choosing your school for university did the korean population of areas have an effect of the school you wanted to go to or just you just wanted to go to a big city so at the time, I didn't even realize in Toronto how big the Korean population was here. Yeah. Um, I just knew that it was Toronto and I had obviously been here a bunch of times before and I knew it was very diverse, but I didn't really know much about that. When it came to picking my schools, I knew I wanted to live in Toronto. So that was my first criteria. Um, and then really there were only two universities uh, in Toronto that had Korean courses. One was U of T and the other was York. Um, and, uh, I mentioned that I went into business school, um, both York and U of T have really, really good business schools. Um, uh, but to be honest with you, uh, I chose, uh, York because they didn't require you to take calculus and I hated math. So I, uh, and also like another benefit was that like, you know, I grew up my entire life in a small town. And so like jumping right into downtown core from small town would have been, I think a little bit of a shock. So York, yeah. York was uh, easier because you know it's super north of the city, so it's quieter than it is downtown. I can still go downtown whenever I want, but I can also kind of escape that if I wanted to. So that's kind of, and also um, uh, York's business school, Schulich, uh, had a really really strong exchange program. And I know mm -hmm. I I knew going into university that I wanted to go on exchange to Korea eventually. So that was a big factor as well. You know, I heard somewhere that if you can hold a fork, you can go to York, but I don't know. I don't think that applies to Shulik. Shulikas, what's up? <laughs> yeah, I, I heard somewhere that, um, no, I can't come up with a joke. Never mind, go on. <laughs> I did hear some stories at York for sure. Yeah, I think York, I think Shulik students also consider themselves different from York students, right? It's, it's actually the opposite in my experience. So, oh, like... Interesting. The it's it's different because like at Shulik, we have our we had our own building and we the only classes we had outside that building were any required electives that we had to take. 
Um, and we like we're very aware that there's this reputation that like you know Shulik, you know oh, they think they're better than us and like oh they're these snooty rich kids, but they are sorry. No, that's not true at all. In my experience, like we were fine with that, but like it was mostly York students who hated us <laughs> or had these prejudice against us. And like in their defense, there were some you know there was some like there were assholes at Shulik who were exactly like that, who were just like, you know, like, you know, have three G wagons and like, just throw money out. Like it's nothing. Uh, and did like think they were better, but like, it was such a small percentage of the overall student population. So yeah. that part was kind of unfortunate, but honestly, I made a lot of friends at Shulik and I had a really good experience there. So yeah. no complaints. I, kind of, I was curious, like when you were talking about your story, it's like when all those Korean immigrants came, like, how did you guys like, like kindle? Cause like typically, well, for me, it's like, it's a little bit awkward. Like if I came straight from Korea, I'd rather just hang out like with my own peer, like with yeah, my yeah, yeah. Uh, own Korean friends. Like how did, how did you, how did you guys like reach out? And then how did you guys ultimately become good friends? So initially I think what helped was that at the very beginning, there were only like a very small amount uh like there were only like two or three who came and so they didn't really have many people to like there weren't other koreans that they could hang out with so they were kind of forced mm. to integrate with the student population mm. um so that was one aspect so i think that made them more um i guess open to forming relationships with um us uh, mm. I met my Korean friends initially through like uh, school clubs, like band and um, things like that. Uh, and then also, I'm just kind of—I mean, Andrew and Josh know I'm—I'm I'm a pretty extroverted person, so I have no problem just like going up to people and talking. And I think all of those factors kind of contributed to it. What was your first initial like thoughts when talking to someone non? You know, someone that's first time you're seeing Asian, like your first time seeing Asians, right? Wait, so yeah, that's your first time seeing a non no, Asian. No, 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 no. So I, I want to clarify. It's not that I hadn't seen <laughs> Asians before, okay, or okay. haven't met it's like a Asians before. Around. No, <laughs> yeah, and this is like this. This no. is flavor. <laughs> and like it's like the town isn't just like this secluded little like oh my god outside our bubble the world is scary. Um, it, it was more just like I had never been in an environment where like I see the same non-white person every day in a school setting. And so, um, I mean, I, it, it was, it was just like interesting. It wasn't like True. weird or anything. I was just, I was just yeah. kind of interested in learning more. Um, although <laughs> I have a, a, a bit of a cringe story to tell. So when I was first trying to introduce myself I had no knowledge of the Korean language, culture, or anything. But there was this new student that came in, in middle school. I was in, like, grade 7. And to welcome them, the school had put up, like, this banner on the wall that um, had 안녕하세요 written on it. Or, no, 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 sorry. It was 어서오세요. Uh, and then they they wrote it in English, uh, like, the romanization under. Also, Oseo. But, but they didn't, they wrote it, like, the proper romanization way, so it was, like, E-O dash Yeah. So I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to, like, read that, right? I didn't know how those sounds made, so I went up to one, and I was, like, A-O-S-E-O, Oseo. 
I'm down. And she was like, uh, what? <laughs> like, oh, sorry. <laughs> were, were, there, were there racists at school? Like, people that weren't fond of um, non-white people? I don't know that... If, if it was a big problem, I never saw it. Um, okay. From the Koreans' perspective, they could have experienced it more than I could have. Mm-hmm. And I, I did see... Con- like, I, I noticed comments here and there. Um, they mm. weren't like super, super nasty. Um, mm. it was more like, um, just like, um, was it about the eyes? Yeah. Like stuff like yeah, that or like, yeah, yeah. um, or like, wait, that's pretty bad. No, no, no. But it wasn't like that anywhere. It, it's about positioning. It was like, uh, I, I don't know. Like they weren't doing it to attack them. It was more yeah. like, oh, they're just like stupid high school kids trying to look yeah. cool in front of their friends. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. um, most of the time i would say people just kind of minded their own business because like Mm -hmm. i i I will say that like in high school the groups didn't really mingle with each other like at that point by the time it got to high school there was a pretty sizable korean population and you know aside from me they mostly just hung out with themselves Um, as koreans do yeah yeah, there there was some exemption exceptions here and there um but mostly you know the white people hung out with their friends and the Koreans kind of kept to themselves. So during your whole path of uh, like learning about Korean food and Korean culture and stuff like that, I can imagine like, especially how like the timeline goes, like K-pop and the Korean entertainment scene and things like that didn't really pop off until you got to uni. Mm. Um, So I guess what was, what was that like for you to experience k-pop i guess for you you had more of an in because you were already connected with some korean people you already had some exposure Mm. but even from your experience as a non-korean like what was your first like experience and kind of like reaction to k-pop korean entertainment shows and and like that whole subculture that started becoming like such a globalization or globalizing force uh more so recently right yeah um so Living in Toronto, it's a bit different because when like global entertainment phenomena like that um, happen, big cities tend to experience it first. So um, like, yeah, back when I was in high school um, and I first started getting into K-pop, I still remember the first K-pop song I ever listened to. It was Tundun, what was it? It was Tundun by Shupa Junior. And what? Oh, yeah. Tundun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like the, it was like a rock concept and. anyway i was like i was like super into it so for for a long time definitely all through high school and even into university like it just wasn't a thing here at all um and so i just kind of enjoyed it on my own i didn't really you know talk about it with anyone because you know none of my friends knew any korean artists other than my korean friends uh Mm -hmm. and then i remember in first year uni I took my first Korean language class and there were like, it was filled with non-Koreans, but not just white people, like a whole bunch of different races. Um, And then I remember, I can't remember how it came up, but we had a discussion in class with the prof one day. Uh, Keep in mind, this was like 2010. And um, we were talking about like Wonder Girls and the the prof was like, um, how do you guys even know who the Wonder Girls are? And we were all just like, oh youtube um and so like keep in mind like that that whole youtube revolution of like sharing yeah. content that was only 10 years ago um yeah. 
that that started to happen. And this is still very, very beginning stages. Like the vast majority of people still didn't know anything about K-pop. It was only like the, you know, the people like me who were... Korea boost. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> who, were, who were into it. And then I remember the following year, I took another Korean class with a different Korean prof. And she, she I think, um, was a little bit more academically involved with the whole K-pop, like Hallyu and like things like that. Mm-hmm. And we had a discussion about K-pop in that class. And um, she had a theory, and keep in mind, this was in 2011, 2012, that she had this theory, um, that she thought K-pop had peaked and it's going to decline and die out within 10 years from that point. Ooh, little did she know. Yeah, little did she know, right? And, um, and so I thought that was really interesting. But then through university... Um, it started slowly, like my non-Korean friends would hear of an artist or a, a specific song um, mm-hmm. here and there. I think what really kicked it all off, and this is probably going to be obvious to some listeners, is in 2012 when Gangnam Style came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like everyone knew Gangnam Style. Um, mm-hmm. That may not have like gotten a huge following for K-pop, but at least like foreigners actually had mm-hmm. some frame of reference to what it was. Um, yeah. And I remember that year I went home to Quiz Pam Sis for the holidays and I went to go uh, visit one of my old teachers in high school. And I remember walking through the halls of my high school and someone was playing Gangnam Style on their laptop. And I remember thinking like, holy shit, this is insane. Crazy. Yeah, this is so crazy. <laughs> but at that point, it's still like, even after that, and I think even after Gangnam Style, it was like kind of a one hit wonder. At, that didn't really... Yeah. lead to any big widespread k-pop yeah, phenomenon yeah, sure. it was just kind of like a blip in the map um and then like slowly after that like i remember um when Taeyang came out with wedding dress that was a big deal at school mm. uh outside of my korean friends um and it, there would slowly be these kind of like one-offs here and there where people would know what they're talking about um but honestly it really wasn't until 2018 when bts first performed on the billboard music awards that's i think like the if you look at a timeline in history that's like the kickoff point for what really kicked off Mm -hmm. how k-pop has gotten so big and so to answer your initial question about what's it's been like for me who's like been involved in this k-pop music culture journey for so long and now like everybody knows bts everyone knows blackpink um, yeah. even Big Bang, maybe to a lesser extent on the masses, Ooh, they're still widely known times. around the world. Yeah, um, yeah. It feels odd. Um, like, I still get weirded out when I hear Dynamite by BTS playing on Virgin Radio or, <laughs> or like, um, hearing it at a restaurant or, like, all, all you know, you walk around in cafes and random cafes will, that aren't Korean cafes will just be playing K-pop mm-hmm. in general, not even mm-hmm. just BTS, just, like, general K-pop it like it makes me think like holy shit like this is like big now and like you look at um i think twitter released their most tweeted musicians like not korean musicians like musicians worldwide um in 2020 number one was bts number two i think was beyonce like bts beat beyonce like what the hell and then like number five or number two was kanye west and number three was beyonce but then number five even gotcha. was this group called ATs, which is like a, a lot of, yeah, they're called A-T-E-E-Z. 
Yeah. A tease. And like, like your reaction proves it all. Even a lot of Koreans would never have yeah, heard of ATs before. And um, I was reading more about them, and apparently they're more popular internationally than they are in Korea. But like, even that, like the fact that there's K-pop groups who are more popular internationally than they are in Korea is just like really interesting to me. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm curious to see how much bigger it's going to get. Yeah, it must be kind of I don't know what "budet" is in, in English. Like you're proud, kind of proud. I guess proud because you started following K-pop and Korean culture when it was small, and mm. not a lot of people noticed it. But now it's like huge, and pretty much almost everyone knows. Like you kind of grew up and saw how it progressed. Yeah. I don't know if proud is the right word. I feel like, I, f- I think it's cool. We're, the thing is, yeah. even though K-pop has gotten so big now, I think I, we're, we're not at the peak yet um, because like we're still not at a point where like it, in my general friend groups, we would talk about K-pop groups in the same way that we would talk about the latest shit Kanye West has done or, mm-hmm. or you know, the latest Drake release. Um, but yeah, it is, it, it's cool. Um, and it's interesting, but it's also like, um, it's a bit different now because, you know, back in high school, I was, I was baduri, like I was totally just into idols mm-hmm. and, and yeah. that was it. And Josh knows, cause I used to talk and play, all, play them all the time and talk about them all the time. And, you know, now that the world is just getting into idols, I'm kind of transitioned more now into like R&B and K-hip-hop more so than um, the traditional idols. So I'm curious to see if that's like the next step. Like our our artists like, you know, Taeyeon-ti and and, and Jiko and like Crush, like are they going to be the next kind of wave in the Korean Mm -hmm. wave after idols? Yeah, that might be tough because there's so many good American or like international R&B. I think K-pop as a genre is specific to like of its own right yeah that's true but i also think k r&b is very distinct from regular Mm r&b um i and like this is my own personal opinion but i find the production quality of k r&b is just higher in general than it is for you know general hollywood r&b um but i don't know we'll see we'll see what happens really yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting for sure if it if it does get big then. Yeah. Yeah. I think a trend that you guys probably saw too, but one thing that I saw especially was as Korean pop music and the Korean music industry and stuff like that, like as that grew, I saw that more and more of the artists were taking more and more influence from current like at the moment like western music styles, western mm-hmm. music trends, beats. Uh, the direction and stuff like that like especially if we're talking back to like big bang and stuff like as each album came out they sounded a lot more and more in line with what was happening in terms of like north american pop Mm -hmm. and i think that trend continued even with like i mean i think bts is one of those cases where they're doing their own thing and they are distinct from like what we're hearing in other like other bands and genre groups or pop band pop artists and stuff like that even in even in america but um even things like hip-hop and k-hip-hop k-r&b like a lot of that i think takes a like so much influence from the western media that i don't know if any like, people really realize to what extent like when show me the money came out everyone was biting just like every mainstream trap 
rapper you know what i mean like everyone's sounding like like a dollar store little uzi vert or some shit you know what i mean you're, like, sound, you're sounding like a hater no i'm just speaking facts right and like taking influence inspiration taking inspiration is is good right and they you know koreans i think uh, i think i'm i don't know if i mentioned this before but i think koreans take a lot of inspiration from other things and then make it better in their own way right mm-hmm. like even if you look at the coffee shop culture in korea like i don't think coffee originated in korea no but, but koreans took the idea and the feeling you get from coffees coffee shops and cafes and they really just like honed in on that like and made it way more expensive exactly. <laughs> yeah. but they made it more of like an experience right you like you, you don't just go for the coffee you go to take pictures and chill and stuff like that and that's like a a thing you do i think that's common in korean um like culture and, and things like that, like pop culture especially you you touched on a really um important point about you know the influence that western music culture has had on korean music um and mm-hmm. this is true of krmb and k-hip-hop but also k-pop in general and i think that's actually a big reason why k-pop has become so big worldwide because like if you look at um asian countries and east asian countries arguably korea i would say is the country that has been most influenced by western culture in general you know like you think about i i was watching youtube the other day um on uh, one of my favorite YouTube channels, Asian Boss, where they were just going up to random Koreans in the street and saying, like, mm-hmm. can we have a conversation in pure Korean with no English words at all? And yeah. when when you're, like, put under that microscope, um, it makes you realize just how many words have been adopted from English into everyday Korean language. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that influence in taking kind of Western elements of music and putting it into K-pop is what made it palatable to worldwide audiences. Because like, Mm -hmm. if you look at the dollar value or the production value of like the Chinese music industry or the Japanese music industry, traditionally, and I think even now, they're still, in terms of dollar amount, bigger than the K-pop culture is. But because, um, especially the Japanese music industry, they are still very, very... um, within their own culture and they they mm-hmm. it's it's very the the flavor is still very japanese and incorporates minimal western elements um it becomes less palatable for international audiences i think sure. so i'm yeah. i'm and like even if you look at like a lot of the most popular k-pop songs um or krb r&b songs uh, the actual producers and writers of those songs not the lyrics but the songs themselves come from like sweden or the uk um, and so there's a lot of collabor- collaboration going on with Western producers as well. And I think that's that helps a lot to make it more globally appealing. Yeah. To add on to that, AOMG has their own DJ, I think. Yeah. Um, oh, I can't remember his name. Yeah. But he produces like pretty much all of J Park's mm-hmm. music. And, and he's not from artists. Korea. Yeah, no, he's yeah. American. Yeah. Even just like looking back to Gangnam Style, like the, the rhythm and the, the beat of the music it's like it kind of yeah, reminds me of like the like the techno like you know you know like that techno boom like vibe back in 2010 like, like edm like kind of like yeah that, edm like, yeah, like, yeah, that vibe. like festival vibes like, like it builds up it builds up and then like boom yeah, like that's, yeah. that's that's kind of like what at least what drew me in to kind of mm. still in. and that was what 2012 right that mm-hmm. was like when martin garrix was dropping animals like this is when a lot of western and like not western but global edm artists so like yeah like it, it kind of rode that trend line along with like what other but people it, were like but it did it the best because but it know. did it differently yeah, yeah. So i'm saying like inspiration 
it's like it, there's similarities, but it's still different. Yeah, you know I mean? they didn't just copy and paste Western yeah. music. They took mm-hmm. elements of it and made it into something new that was their own. Um, and I think that's why it's become so popular. Yeah, and I I completely agree with the whole Korea is, I think one of the like top countries that takes Western influences. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. And it's like not even just in popular culture. You know the their political system. Yeah, exactly. Um, even like modern architecture, it's all aspects of life. Even like mm-hmm. I would you know one thing about Korean culture, and we may talk about this uh, later on. Uh, is you know the whole hierarchy and the way you have to speak to people depending on their status and their age relevant relative to you if you look at colloquial korean language today versus 50 years ago i would argue that it's become a lot more comfortable even in the Mm -hmm. context of korean culture like you know Mm -hmm. you go back to 50 years ago you would argue that it would be very very rare for example to find children who would speak to their parents informally and now it's become a lot more common i would say i mean it's not like mm-hmm. it's not like cut and dry like 100 percent over but mm-hmm. it, it's 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 become more relaxed than i think it was for like your grandparents mm-hmm. um and i think that comes as a direct influence from western culture mm-hmm. yeah and i think korea respects especially like the states mm. in terms of just like everything i I would say actually totally like for the listeners who aren't familiar with the korean language even the korean word for the united states translated means beautiful country like i didn't know that but oh really yo jordan's more (laughs) korean than all of us dude hangok hangok is united yeah country i know that (laughs) but yeah i think jordan probably knows He's I more think Korean more than historically than yeah, honestly, because like I don't research. Yeah, I, you know, like, I didn't learn about Korea formally. I just yeah. grew up with the culture. Right. Same with like you know, people who learn English speak more proper English than like native English speakers because they learn it in a classroom formally. setting. Exactly, you learn like they not learn just about, like, like that things are the way they are. You learn why they are the way they are, yeah, and you exactly. apply that to like new instances of like grammar and other words and finding mm-hmm. root words and stuff. So yeah, like 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 it's fascinating to me how um, like involved you are in the Korean culture, the like Korean music, and, and things like that. And and like coming back to the beginning, like like you were just a like a Caucasian kid growing up in a small town, and. Um, and like what drew you in when you first initially met that Korean friend or whatever? Like what was it about them that, you know, oh, oh this is different. Like this is interesting. Like this is something that I want to keep learning and, and keep developing. And, and like here you are now. Yeah. Um, so I think what initially drew me in was just the fact that it was like different and it was something that intrigued me. But like what kept me interested and like made me want to like kind of delve deeper is that um, I think it just like came down to to values. I, you know, I appreciated that, you know, Korea is not so individualist. Like it's, it's not like, oh, I'm more important than everyone around me. It's like, you know, you live your life in a way that minimizes your negative impact to other people. Um, and then... I, I found the concept of friendship in Korea um, to be different than it was in Canada. Mm. Not to say that it was better or worse, but it was just different. 
um, in terms of like, you know, it's, it's very easy in Western culture to have, you know, surface level friendships and like you, you meet up with people and you have fun. But like, if, if you ever like needed money or if you needed like a ride at three in the morning because you were in an emergency or something like I, I just found that the connection when that I had with my Korean friends seemed to be deeper. Um, and they were more willing, like, you know, once you're in, like, you know, no questions asked. If you need help, I'm there. And, again, that's not to say that that doesn't exist in Western culture. Um, <laughs> I was just going to say, maybe your Western friends were just... <laughs> no, <laughs> and, and I, I want to be, like, all my Western friends, too, like, I'm they're still really good friends. And, you know, I still keep in contact with them, like, even friends from high school to this day. But, like, in Korean, there's this concept called tongue. That doesn't really, yeah. I think, exist yes. in in Western culture, and I, I I don't really know how to translate it. I guess the closest would Affection? be like closeness. Yeah. Um, tongue, tongue is one of those words. It's tough. Yeah, um, it's so much. Yeah, and I don't know. It just um, it seemed more meaningful to me. Like even the con, like a lot of Korean families will send their children abroad because they want them to learn English or have a, a Western education or something like that. Right. Um, and they'll have friends who will just let their kids live with them. And like it, that's just, you know, that's how it works. It's not, um, it's not a massive burden. Um, mm -hmm. It's just kind of like an expectation that, you know, I need your help and you'll help me. Even the concept of sending your children abroad without the parents for an extended period of time for an education, uh, not that it doesn't exist here, because it definitely does, but at least within the context of, like, my small town, that was such a foreign concept to me. I could never imagine, like, growing up without my parents, or my parents sending me somewhere, or, you know, the dad letting the mom move with the kids to another country while the dad yeah. stays behind to earn money mm -hmm. to help that family. Like, that's just so uncommon uh, here compared to Korea that it, that I think... But it, it's not like it's not seen as um, out of the ordinary or or burdensome. It's just like something you do to help the people you love, mm -hmm. and it's an expectation. It's it's a facet of life, and um, so that I think would just be an example of how like you know the the I guess closeness of relationships. It's it's not as easy to cut people out or to forget people in Korea as it is in my experience in Western culture, and so. Because, you know, I value my relationships in that way. I think it got me, um, it just made kind of that aspect of Korean culture resonate more with me. Just made sense. Yeah. Mm. That's interesting because I guess being a Korean person, you don't think about that. Mm. Yeah. You know, like I don't, I'm not actively thinking about how. How good know, of a friend you are. <laughs> yeah. Or how connected I am with people, you know, it's just like, it's just intuitive for us, but. It's interesting to hear that from like a third person's perspective. Mm. I guess kind of bring it bring it back to not K-pop, but as Korean Korea culture as like more like a commonly like a common part of modern day pop culture, I guess, like not only i think k-pop was the, the 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 force that opened the door but what followed through and more we're, what we're seeing recently is like the stream of korean media whether that be entertainment shows 
um, movies or Korean dramas, right? Um, and also like, you know, also seen in like YouTube and things like that, right? I think a lot of things we're seeing now are, you know, Korean things being trendy, uh, not only in Asian countries, but in, in Western countries. And just to touch on the, the K-pop wave and things like that, K-pop was always huge in Asia. Like it's been huge for so long, especially Southeast Asia as and you know, China and the neighboring countries. Like a lot of those other Asian countries were very exposed to K-pop and Korean dramas and things like that. But it's only recently in the past like five years that it's really hitting the Western hemisphere. Um, but yeah, I just I, I want to kind of touch open that up a little bit because I think we're seeing a very interesting wave where like Korean culture things that are like Korean are just becoming trendy and like they have like a different impact when they get when they hit like our world you know what I mean no what are you trying to say (laughs) Korean stuff is getting cool yeah like like, I mean think about like how big of an impact mukbang had on YouTube videos right? right 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 and we touched on this before but like the idea of mukbang in Korea was like people just did that in like small private discord rooms for at like 12 till like seven in the morning right it was like kind of like not very mainstream but now it's like if you don't do that as part of a vlog it's like Mm -hmm. you're it's like it's not common you know what i mean yeah even even to add to your point you know how you just mentioned internet uh broadcasting yeah like korea had their own thing before twitch right yeah it's called africa 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 yeah but they say it africa yeah and like they had their own facebook before it was like SciWorld. Yeah. So I think, like you said, we like the Korean culture had everything, but just adapting to what the West, because right now, um, like I think Koreans use Facebook now, but they still have Kakaotalk, right? Which is their own messaging platform, right? So like even like kind of going back to the integration of Western culture and Korean society, like you could see it there as well, right? So yeah, yeah like in a way, we always had those tools on hand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just different tools now. Yeah, I, I guess I guess Koreans just use what's the most popular. So yeah. like Korean K-pop is the most popular in the world. So it's like they're gonna push that. I think there was like um, many different factors. Like number one, like Korean culture, like Korean music and Korean drama and all those things like adapted to the Western society. And there was also like the development of like YouTube, Instagram, and just being able to like see these clips like available at hand. You know, just on your phone you're scrolling and you see all these things and i think there was just like tons more exposure that's true um that mm-hmm. just got out to yeah people. you get like you know now yeah. on netflix there's so many dramas on yeah, netflix yeah. and they get pushed to you and netflix i think just announced they have like this massive massive content production budget specifically for korean dramas yeah in, mm-hmm. in uh 2021 and um you know all korean music is on spotify it's all on mm-hmm. Apple Music. Oh, to that, actually, there's an article where Spotify took out all K-pop music. So I don't know if you saw yeah. it. There's some technical when? issues. Yeah. There was like three, four days ago. Yeah, they might have fixed it. I don't know, but there was a. I still like have a blip it. Where they deleted everything, or like no. yeah, there's a like Kakao Talk like had the rights or something yeah. or some some. Oh, uh, was that what it was? When Kakao Spotify Talk. joined Korea, yeah. Um, Kakao Talk M said no like that's oh yeah yeah yeah. in in korea sorry i thought you meant worldwide spotify didn't have korean music (laughs) i was like for for a bit i think i think they pulled korean music for a bit i don't know if it's back now though you gotta fact check us on that 
Yeah, I was going to say, because I know Spotify wasn't available in, in Korea. Like, Koreans couldn't download it until recently, like a couple months ago. Yeah, there's this, it was on uh, Subtle Asian Traits. Like, there's so many posts about Spotify taking away Korean music, but, like, memes about it, but... <laughs> Anyways. On the topic of mukbang, I actually wanted to... Because I think what's interesting is whenever I introduce Korean food to non-Korean people, they have a hard time with the same things. And they have an easy time with the same things. Like if you give them bibimbap yeah. or Korean barbecue, oh my god, bro, I love Korean food. And they give them doenjangjigae or kimchi, they're like, <laughs> I don't think Korean food's for me, bro. <laughs> mm. So for you, from your experience, and I guess this is kind of drifting away from like the pop culture, but like I'm kind of curious to know what your experience was like with Korean food specifically. I I kind of just loved it immediately really um i don't know why uh, i definitely get your point about like certain foods being widely Funky. liked and yeah, yeah others being widely like hit or miss yeah um i think it just those foods are tend to have like really really strong um flavors that are uncommon in western environments like tenjang which for audience uh is like soybean paste fermented and, yeah yeah fermented soybean paste and like kimchi which is also fermented oh maybe that's the trend yeah um, i think so <laughs> but but like pickles are fermented too so like um but um yeah i i like i it could also just be because i literally like everything like there's no food i don't like so maybe i just had an easier time adapting i do i will say the first time i ever tried kimchi i cried <laughs> Of, of happiness or of sadness? <laughs> no, of, of spiciness. Like, I couldn't handle it. Um, and oh, it was just... White, homemade. white, huh? Yeah, no, it was it was bad. Like, I had tears in my eyes. I had never tasted anything that spicy before. You know, growing up, eating meat and potatoes and fish. And, like, like very bland, not strong flavors. Um, but, like, now it's not spicy at all. Um, but I can definitely get, like, you know, in when I graduated university... Um, that summer before I started working, I went on, I went back to Korea for two months. And while I was there, my mom actually flew out and came to experience it with me. Um, because, you know, I was like, I, her son had been interested in Korean culture for so long. So I was like, well, why don't you come over and I'll like show you what it's about. Oh, that's nice. Um, yeah. And I was actually really, really surprised. Um, anytime I took her out to eat, she always tried everything and she really liked everything. The only thing she couldn't handle was kimchi. And yeah. to this day, she can't handle Still. it. Um, it's just like a, it's, it's a strong food. It's a strong it is. taste. It's a, hit it's or a miss. strong smell. Like for, for Korean audience, uh, for non-Korean audiences, like people in Korea have separate fridges just for kimchi. Yes, <laughs> Which we don't, we don't use that for kimchi. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, but what do you use it for? Yeah, <laughs> extra what? storage. Really? Well, I use it for kimchi. I, I feel like that's a Josh thing, not a Korean I thing. Don't know, I feel like that's pretty common. You always open the kimchi fridge and it's like filled with other frozen shit. <laughs> no, not true. I'm not looking at it. But <laughs> like, I, I get it because like, you know, it, it, it's really, it smells really strong. And like, if you put it in a fridge with other food, it affects the smell of everything else. Yeah. And like, so I get it. Um, but it was just like, you know, in a hit or miss environment, it was a hit for me. Mm. <laughs> the real question is do you have a kimchi in your fridge right now yeah my uh so my roommate is korean and his grandmother uh lives 
close to Toronto and she makes she, us kimchi all the oh time. And it's nice. really you got that good shit. Blessed. Yeah. And like, uh, so for people who, who are listening who aren't familiar, there's a bunch of different kinds of kimchi. And my favorite kind is shin kimchi, which is like sour kimchi. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's the kind she always makes. And it's like the best in the world. I'm so happy that she does that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. I think with kimchi too, it's like, uh, there's, you know, like you said, there's, different stages of it too like shingo is like that just means it's been fermented for so long mm. that the the impact and the chok you get in your nose it's like it hits different mm. so like if you're like a newbie and you have shingimchi like you'll pass out or you'll cry like you did right but right. if you have like the <laughs> the more milder like fresh kimchi then it's like you know it's more manageable it's less funky yeah i don't i don't understand people that like pickles but don't like the idea of kimchi I don't think I, I've ever met anyone who doesn't like the idea of kimchi. Oh, not the idea, because like I, I'm yet for, like personally, what I when I think about people that don't like like Asian fermented foods, but like pickles, is I feel like the word fermented is used a lot in the Asian mm. like types of dishes, Food, but yeah. it's brined for pickles. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like it's worded differently. People people don't. Well, so I think there's a couple of things. First of all, Western people like grow up from childhood knowing what pickles are and maybe they don't like them, maybe they do, but they've been introduced to them from an extremely young age. Secondly, pickles are really sweet. They have a lot of sugar in them. Um, And most fermented foods, at least in Korean food, um, aren't overly sweet. They're usually sour or spicy. Um, And then the third thing I would say is that people don't think of pickles at least younger people don't think of pickles as fermented to your point they're just they're just pickles they're in pickle juice they're pickled they're not fermented and you know you learn in school in science class that oh fermentation is when like the yeast breaks down and like you know it i don't know that i I, I don't know that either but (laughs) (laughs) please don't accept that as fact i could have completely made that shit up but like there's some kind of biological thing that happens um, and yeah. you think about it that way and a lot of people um, and there's some foods when they like ferment they become you know bad like you can't eat them anymore um, mm-hmm. so I think that's where to your point I think I think you hit the nail on the head like the word fermented just the mm-hmm. word itself I think can um, I guess deter people from wanting to try it but it's also the ingredients right like you put seojot in kimchi which is yeah inherently fishy I yeah. think that's a palate that's also not common in western Seojot for listeners is like a fermented shrimp paste. Yeah, yeah, which is common in Korean culture, but you also see that all across like Thai, Thai food, Vietnamese, um, Chinese food. food, you know. And that's like a that's like a common kind of like fishy umami flavor that we're used to, but isn't common here, right? But you should get used to it because it's real good. <laughs> <laughs> I think what people are really realizing with Korean food is that the fact that it's fermented, like we mentioned, right, like. Korean food is actually fairly healthy. Like it's fairly balanced, and there's a lot of vegetables, right? Kimchi there's was ranked like one of the healthiest foods in the world. Yeah, I'd say it's it's very balanced, and things like kimchi and stuff, like yeah, there's salt and yeah, there's sugar in it, but it's a lot of that fermentation results in a lot of like good bacteria, like probiotics and things like that, right? So a lot of vitamins. Exactly. So these, you know, like there's a lot of things in Korean Korean cuisine that I think is starting to become seen in a positive light where it's like it's like a health food it's like let's eat something good today like what do you want to eat like i want to eat something new what about like 
you know, Japanese or sushi. He's like, let's try Korean food, you know? I don't know. That might just be me. Actually, just going off topic, like going back to the beginning, Jordan, I actually saw you on on Netflix, I guess. But uh, it, it was called uh, Homecoming. And um, Jordan's actually, he knows this Korean celebrity called Henry. I'm sure a lot of people know. And um, I guess Jordan was like a, Jordan was at over at his house and uh, anyways, it's getting off topic. That's where I first saw Jordan. Um, <laughs> I, I can't believe you remember that. I was literally on yeah. for 30 seconds in one scene and that episode was recorded now six years ago. So that's insane that you remember that. Every time I see like a non-Korean dude and a Korean dude, like in a Korean show, like people are going to remember you. Okay, fair. Fair enough. What's the, what was the premise of that show again? So there's a really popular show in Korea called Pijong Sangedam, which I yeah. think in English is called Abnormal Summit. Summit. And yeah, yeah. Uh, for anyone listening who doesn't know, it's a show where they get a bunch of foreigners who are living in Korea and speak Korean really fluently all together at a table uh, with some hosts. And they talk about like just general topics like s social issues, political things. And then yeah. all of the panelists talk about like how their country on a on an overall basis would interpret that issue or what the prevailing view of that issue is in their country and mm, so interesting uh sure. the the homecoming um which in korean is called was a spin-off of that show where they um they each episode follows one of those panelists back to their home country to just kind of like learn about how they grew up and what their country is like mm. and stuff and so uh henry wasn't normally a panelist on that show, um, but I think he had guested a couple of times. And so they did an episode um, where he came back to uh, Toronto and they, uh, all of the members of the Pijong Sangedam uh, panel came with him and they just did an episode at Henry's house. And uh, how, how I actually came to be on that show was that uh, Henry's brother, who I, at the time I worked with, um, one day he was like, yo, do you want to come over after, after work today? And I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. So I came over and casual. I, yeah, I came over and there was this massive motor coach in front of his house and like a bunch of like camera equipment all over the front lawn and a bunch of people going in and out. And I was like, what's going on? And he was like, oh yeah, you're going to be on TV. I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. No, no heads up. No warning. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was caught really off guard. I was super awkward. Um, I, I'm actually really thankful because the way they edited it didn't make me seem like a total weirdo. But uh, <laughs> like at, we filmed one scene in the living room. And then after that, they were like, oh, I, I think you're done. I'm like, yeah, I oh, think really? you're done too. Damn. Yeah, and then they filmed the rest of the episode without me because I was just really awkward on screen. Um, which like respect, I totally was awkward. Um, but it was still a cool experience. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. I actually saw Henry too in Finch Station. Yeah. And it was really? at night and there was no one except me and him kind of crossing our paths. Yeah. And then, you know, you know that, you know that reaction when you know you saw someone. Yeah. And then you don't know where. Yeah. So in a split second, I had that. I was like, oh shit, that's Henry, right? But I think he saw me have that expression of like, wow, or like that oh, <laughs> all moment. And then. He 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 acted like, like when he saw me, he's like, oh, like this guy's gonna ask for like a picture or a signet. Like he had that face, right, of welcoming. Like I'm a star. Like you gotta ask me like, for some shit. So I was like, yo. So I and then the next split second for me, I was like, yo, fuck that. I'm just gonna pretend I didn't see him and I just walked past him. And then he, I don't know, on my peripherals, he was just, he was kind of like, 
he was caught off guard too, right? Because he was expect. I, I feel like he was expecting people to like ask him for. Uh, he, he's got to be so used to it by now, right? Yeah, like, so, but I'll, no, I mean, I don't, well, I don't really care about Henry to be honest. It's just, <laughs> it's just, I don't. Wow. People are gonna I mean, start following our podcast now. I mean, I don't know him, so I don't. You know, yeah. why should I? Care, you know, I, I want to be clear though. Like, I'm not boys with Henry. I met him yeah, a couple yeah. times, and like, I yeah, don't yeah, even yeah, know yeah. if he would remember my name. Um, I I keep in contact with his brother. One thing I will say though is that like Henry's like how how you see him on tv like he's acting like you know kind of uta and like funny and making jokes all the time that's exactly how he is in real life when the cameras aren't on so i thought that was really cool because he's not different yeah, at all he's just like yeah. a quirky kind of fun dude yeah. he's genuine sounds yeah. like a genuine dude yeah. yeah 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 that's actually um interesting but that's not your only time you were on korean <laughs> national television right <laughs> I believe there were other instances. Can we um, can we highlight those those instances? <laughs> this happened. Uh, what was it? It was like twenty. Is when you went to Korea. Draw my memory. I think this is like twenty fourteen. Twenty thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah, in in twenty thirteen, uh, I was on exchange at the time, and for fun, uh, and also because my friends did it without me knowing. Uh, I auditioned for Superstar K. Hey. what yeah and uh i i made it on one of the episodes mm-hmm. oh shit yeah i tried to find that clip but i couldn't find it i, I had yeah it it's saved. buried deep in the internet and i will yeah, never I had share it, it i had it bookmarked four computers ago so it's long <laughs> gone now <laughs> yeah so did you actually uh like perform in front of the judges yeah so so for people who may not know like how audition shows actually work in the background because they're like what you see on tv is very different from like what actually happens um so you like you know how when they have those helicopter shots of like thousands of people waiting in line to audition they don't all see the judges there's like a team army of producers who like listen all the auditions and they kind of like pick who they want to like actually be auditioning for the judges based on um you know whether or not they have like if they stand out, if they're like weird or if they're like a genuinely amazing singer or if they're yeah. like genuinely a really awful singer, like just people who will make good TV. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Sure. that's so savage though to people that but they have to don't, they yeah. don't sing well. Do it for the ratings. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. They, have to. they don't want anyone plain, right? They don't want any yeah, average. Exactly. You see those clips on American Idols where they're like just horrible. Yeah. <laughs> just roasting the shit yeah. out of the guy. <laughs> <laughs> they want they want like little Timo from Show Me the Money, you know? Like y'all. <laughs> what do you mean she's sick? I loved her. But yeah, so how how it works is um you have to go through like two or three of those like producer auditions before you make it or don't make it to like the judge auditions. But at the time I think they wanted like back in twenty thirteen there weren't that many foreigners on TV. Now yeah. there are. Um there were a few, but not that many. And so they actually came to Yonsei Day campus um, to hold auditions specifically for foreigners. And mm. because they wanted foreigners on the show, if you passed that initial producer audition there, you went straight through to the judge auditions. You didn't have to wow. go to two or three more. And so um, my friends, as a joke, filled out the paperwork and submitted it without me knowing. Uh, and then they got like my name sticker back and they were like, Hey, you're auditioning for Superstar K today. <laughs> um, like, all right, <laughs> great. Uh, so I did that audition and, um, 
I think it was more so just because I was white and spoke Korean that they pushed me through. I passed the producer audition and then made it to the judge audition. The day of my judge audition, um, you're there all day, but they're only seeing like 10 people. And the Jeez. reason for that is because like they have to re they have to take all this B-roll footage where they'll they'll literally be like, okay, walk past these flowers with your friends and pretend you're talking. Or like <laughs> walk into the show. Or like if you're walking too fast or they don't like the way you look, they make you retake it. So all those natural shots yeah. are all completely produced. And then nice. um they it it came up to my just before my turn to actually audition for the judges. At the time the the judges were uh, Guan from 2AM. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yo, Yizun... that guy fell off. Holy shit. Izun <laughs> Char. And uh, there's like this harmony kazu called uh, Hyunmi. Should I Hyunmi Bob? <laughs> 30. Uh, but anyway, those were the three celebrity judges. And uh, before I went on, the producers actually laid out for me how the audition would go. They told me what to do. So they told me to go in and speak English and don't let on that I speak Korean. Um, and Sophie. audition with uh, an English song. So I, I, I sang You Raise Me Up by Josh Groban. Classic. And then um, they said, okay, after you sing the English song, the judges are going to ask you if you can sing something in Korean. And then uh, you should do that. And so I said, okay. And then I sang Oma by Radi, uh, which is mm. kind of a lesser known song, but it's like a ballad. And I really like that song. And then afterwards, that's when they told me to start speaking Korean so that I could like surprise the judges and they would be like all like, oh, damn, like da da da. Wait, so uh, the judges knew that you spoke Korean though? I don't know if they knew or not. They acted surprised when I spoke Korean afterwards. They, I don't know if I they a, were given I the have heads a feeling, up. I have a feeling it might be fabricated. It could be like they could have been given the heads up, but I, yeah. I, I don't know that. Um, what, do you, what was your initial thought when they reacted to your the reaction Korean. seemed genuine genuine okay um and then like after i auditioned um they asked me if i knew who any of them were and i said um well i know to one and they said oh can you sing a 2 a.m song um none of this ended up on the episode by the way this is just like <laughs> what they asked me to do and then yeah. uh i was like oh i know Mobone by 2 a.m yeah, yeah. and then no, they were like can you sing it and I'm like, oh, I, I don't know the lyrics. And then they're like, okay, well, Chogwan, you sing it, and then you can follow Chogwan. So then Chogwan and I sang it together. <laughs> Yo, that's yeah. nice. That's <laughs> that should have been on the episode. No, yeah. it, it was like, it was awkward. But then, yeah, and then they were like, oh, like, uh, yeah, I don't think this is the right show for you. <laughs> 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 and I'm like, true, true, I get it. It's all good. And then afterwards, like, the the... They had like, there was a camera in front of me and they were like, make sure you walk slow because the cameraman can't walk back too fast and like, you know, talk about like how sad you are or disappointed you are. And then <laughs> they made me go into like this other, it was almost like a photo booth with a video camera. And they were like, can you like uh, say thank you to anyone who helped you get this far? <laughs> You're like, fuck that, I'm out. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, this is all good. Yeah, but, but good for you for going, man. Because like, it was a cool your, experience. Your friend set you up, but damn, good for you for yeah. going through. It was fun. It was a it was a cool and now I have a story to tell so like yeah I, yeah. I don't regret yeah. it at all it was one a, hell of it was a story. fun time yeah one hell of a story but the funny thing is when I saw it it was like none of that was included <laughs> yeah it was literally like you see Jordan walking on stage and then the audience <laughs> is like who and then the audience, it cuts to him singing he's like um 
엄마 and then you see the harmony's reaction and that's it it goes doing and then the next person no i remember i remember when when he spoke Kore- uh, english first and then the judges were like can you speak korean or something like that <laughs> and then it cut to him singing "Omma." wait like, is that how it went i don't remember yeah, 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 yeah we need to find that clip yeah oh man i i mean we don't necessarily need to find that clip <laughs> if anyone can find it and uh, dm us we'll uh send you a sticker <laughs> motivation out of 10 i, I, I kind of just want to see it for myself though I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> no it, it was cool though yeah that's yeah, dope <laughs> sweet, sweet. uh anything else i think we're probably okay to start wrapping things up yeah i'm yeah, no. I, yeah. I yeah yeah let's, if you guys don't have anything the, the last thing i want to do before we close out is just a quick lightning round uh of fire questions for you guys uh yeah that's dope just like you know this or this kind of thing all right that's so okay. I'll, I'll ask the questions. You guys answer. So Jordan being from the Maritimes, which would you rather have? Um, lobster dinner or chogegui? Chogegui, for those who don't know, is like a grilled shellfish. It's like KBBQ with like seafood. It's really good. I, I got to go with lobster. Lobster. Yeah. Brian? Chogegui for me. A, and Andrew? Lobster. <laughs> what? True, true. Lobster's right. lit, man. Yeah. Next question. Blackpink or BTS? Blackpink. Blackpink. Blackpink, easy. <laughs> I'll go BTS, but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I was a girl, maybe BTS. I... All right. I, I love BTS too, but I, Jenny's my girl. <laughs> yeah, Blackpink more. Jenny Stan. <laughs> All right, your go-to Norebang karaoke song. Off the top, boom. Chigami Sungan from Jekyll and Hyde, the musical. Ooh. Ooh. Brent? Scientist Coldplay. Oh, <laughs> Andrew, Quebec by Tiny Duo. Oh, okay. Yeah, we reaching. Once this lockdown ends, I'm down. I'm down. Samsung, Samsung or Apple? Apple, Apple, Apple. Easy. All right, I'm the only. I'm the only Sorry, Korean Josh. Korean supporter here. Hold this L, bro. <laughs> All right. Twenty shots of soju or five shots of vodka. Five shots of vodka, because then it would be over faster. <laughs> True. I go 20 shots. That's hard, <laughs> though. Shots. Both suck. I go 20 shots because we, you didn't clarify the different types of just ty- time and like you could oh, true, you yeah, could yeah. eat stuff it, with it. So I would go with 20 shots of soju. Dirty. Andrew always finding loopholes. You didn't specify the time duration. And that's the way of life, bro. <laughs> Sorry. Nice. All right, guys. Sorry. <laughs> Jordan, do you want to say anything? I don't know last closing thoughts or anything yeah no just uh thanks for having me um hope i offered a different perspective everything i said was an opinion please don't accept it as fact uh and yeah it was cool yeah yeah it was nice getting a a third person's perspective in korean culture and i guess korean society and things like that things that we as korean people korean canadians can overlook sometimes but it's really refreshing to get a new perspective yeah like the part where uh, jordan thought friendship aspect that actually was very new to me right yeah um so i hope like our listeners got something out of this podcast as well as well Mm -hmm. if you guys want to look more into jordan we'll plug his instagram in the comments if he wants or any other social media platforms that you know you want to provide yeah and 
yeah, that's that's it. For, and we're going to wrap it up for this week, guys. I hope you guys have a fantastic week. The weather is supposed to get nicer. Seems like the lockdown so. is getting lifted, but we'll have to see. Yeah, we should also let them know that we're going to be off for a few weeks just to... We talked about this briefly last week, but we're not going to be... We're just going to take some time off just to recuperate, you know, organize some thoughts and um, just get ready for for season three i guess yeah thanks again guys for the big push um we saw a lot of growth and a lot of support for the past season uh and we had a lot of fun making it and i think we have a lot more planned in the future so please stay tuned uh, and we'll be back shortly yep keep the dms coming guys and we'll see you guys next time peace Peace. Yeah, because I was talking away from it. Yeah. Is is Momo okay? Yeah, she has. She's She's eating. She has snot in her throat. (laughs) 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 Snotty girly, man. Ah, no. (laughs) But so she's like trying to, you know, cut it, that shit out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She's an old grandma dog. Sorry.